Welcome to More Than Movies. I'm Ivana. I'm Jay. Today we explore the letter A and dissect the movie L. Watch it. Seriously. We wonder whether we should bring bath time back and chat about a new Pixar flick. Categorize. What is categorized? What is this? Well, it's a brand new segment, silly. Oh my goodness. All right. So this is a little bit of a freeform segment. We each chose five movies that start with the letter A. We're going to talk about these movies, and then each of us is going to pick our favorite, and that's that. What category are we start with? What if we start with movies that begin with the letter A? What? I mean, it's pretty pretty enormous category. Oh, mind blown. All right. So, <laughs> so I got five. You've got five. Um, just so you know, we don't use the the or a. No prepositions allowed. That's it. Grammar police are in the house. Keeping an eye on that. All right, sir. What are your five? First up, Almost Famous. Had oh, to be on my list. I didn't even think of that oh. one. But you're right. That's so good. One okay. of the best A movies of all time is James what? Cameron. You know, we've you got... know how I don't rewatch movies that much. I think I've seen that movie 10 times. I genuinely love the soundtrack. I love the characters. You know that scene where he, he's with all the groupies and Anna Paquin like looks all innocent, but then it's just like, let's, de- let's de-virginize him. Yeah. Like, I, for some reason, that stands out in my mind. Uh, not to mention on the bus after everybody's angry and upset and Tiny Dancer comes on and they all start singing. Like, there are so many moments in that that must have really been true to Cameron Crowe's life mm-hmm. because that's the whole story of it. He was a kid who got kind of picked up by Rolling Stone. Really? And did all this stuff under the radar. And so he kind of wrote a movie, sort of a autobiographical, being on tour with an imaginary band. Like, obviously, that band is imaginary but i loved i love everything about that story and And jason lee is in it i love jason lee he's not in a hell of a lot of stuff like this character and he was really good at this character really good and so is billy crudup as oh yeah he's not the lead singer but he's like the cool yeah he's he's the leader of the band to the audiences of the world that's right um had to put it in top five american pie you know oh, how much I love American, American Pie. Pie. Yeah. Like, all, there's a lot of movies that start with American, but for me, American Pie is, it's just, it's up there. It is a really good movie. I didn't put it in, compared to a lot of the other A movies, it just didn't, it wasn't that prolific for me. So For me, I think I was 18 years old. It was one of the first rated R movies I'd ever actually gone to theaters to see. And I was blown away. I loved the love story aspect. I loved the guys trying to get laid. I think I was in my, I, I think I was my senior year of high school. So like I was, it was in very the same timely. boat. Yeah. Yeah. Now I think I had already had sex, but maybe it was just then it really played true to me. And I've watched it a million times since, um, that franchise, it's got a little nice spot in my heart, but American pies, the first one just blew me away. Um, next one, another coming of age movie, Adventureland. Adventureland is on my list. Oh, good, good. I'm so glad. Yeah. Why do you love that movie? I I think it's just Jesse Eisenberg. I this was back in like those perfect years before he was a really huge actor, and he was choosing these movies that I imagine he was really interested in doing, but that didn't exactly make him a millionaire. And I just love it. I I love. The authenticity of the human experience in it, I think. I don't know. It always know. baffles me that Adventureland is not bigger than it should, than it became. Right. Because it was hot on the heels of Superbad, which I believe there was a tie-in. I think the writer or maybe the director of Superbad came, uh, came it's over. It's a lot more like a, of a low-key. It's a low-key film. It's, uh, it takes place in the 80s. It's this crappy summer job where I'll you tell meet you, all these people. I think that it's underrated because... Uh, Kristen Stewart is in it and but I think she's great in it she's great in it actually I think Kristen Stewart is a really great actress a lot of people don't think this um but I think it's that's because of Twilight and I think that this movie came around the same time as Twilight or people stopped yeah, liking I think her this because was after of Twilight. Twilight the first one exactly yeah so there I think the Twilight aspect of things actually takes back the movie and pushes it down and people aren't as interested in it because they're like oh 
Kristen Stewart. But it's definitely one that if you've never seen Adventureland, just give it a rent. I, you're not going to be disappointed in what happens in this film. Totally. What else? America, another American. American History X. Me too. That's on my list. That was definitely. I mean, are you surprised that it's not on my I'm, list? I'm not surprised. Edward Norton <laughs> um, blew me away. This is the first time I ever saw Edward Norton in anything, I think. Uh, I saw it before Primal Fear. Again, I was, I think it was in uh, senior year. No way. That movie's older than that, I think. Mm, it I might remember be 98. Being... So I might have been in junior year. What's junior? Is that it's the year before your senior year? Okay. And then I sophomore is the year in, in your between. second year. And okay. Freshman is the first, first year. I know. I, I only know. ever knew senior and um, freshman. freshman, and I always get confused with the other two. So it was, I believe it was 98, which is the year. So that would have been my junior year because I graduated in 99, but it was a such a different turn for me. And I wanted it. So I wanted Edward Norton so badly to win the Oscar. I think that was the first year I really invested in the Oscars. And I think the reason was American history X. I worked at a Cineplex and you got to choose what movie title came underneath your name. And I picked American history X because it was just, it, it just blew me away. Everything about that film, the ending um, that you took this guy who, was believed one thing and then went to prison and the only people looking out for him were another race and it changed who he was. I just, what an interesting concept for a film. I think especially right now, there's a lot of friction underneath the surface of, of America and more America than Canada. Admittedly, I don't think we have it quite the same here, but um, I think it's it really blew my mind when I saw it. I was like, whoa, I've never seen anything be so forthright about racism and talk about it in this way. And I thought that it was really beautiful. And to see the story of a guy who was once a skinhead, a Ku Klux Klan member, whatever you call them, turn into someone who is not racist is lovely. It, it, and that, that poignant film moment where he's looking in the mirror and he sees the swastika that's tattooed over his heart and he like, he tries to cover it up and he knows like, oh man, this is. I spent so, man, so, so many much, years of my so life hating. Hating people. For what? Exactly. And coming home to see. Your little your brother. Your little brother trying to be exactly like you. Exactly. When you've realized the error of your ways. I mean, come on. This movie is basically gold. And I know we haven't talked about the curb sob scene. So I'll just throw it in there. That scene's gross. We all know that scene is gross. Totally. <laughs> my last one. My last five. Uh is aliens oh the second the second so i i love the aliens movies they're great but the first alien for me is long it's suspenseful it's great but i never really loved ridley scott as much as i loved what it became which was this all-out crazy james cameron vehicle for action and for some reason aliens to me is higher than alien. I don't know why, but it is. It's like just the scariest. Oh my God. Moments in those movies rival alien for some reason for me. I think I need to rewatch these two films because it's been a really long time. I think I saw them when I was a kid yep. and I don't remember them enough. Okay. But they sound really good. Well, so aliens is like all these space Marines go to a planet and they don't realize that these aliens. Oh, it's are like on the, the prequel. Planet. Is it the prequel? No, it's a sequel. It takes place years and years later because Ripley has been in. Is Ripley still alive? Yep. Oh yeah. This is, this is where Ripley becomes action hero Ripley. Ah. And I think maybe that's another part. Like Ripley's really great in the first one. And she's, she's kills the alien, the one alien that's on the ship. Then they go to a planet with thousands upon thousands. And she becomes amazing. Like that is where she takes control over all these guys who think they're in control. All these Marines. It's like, nope. I've done this before. You are all going to die. If like you listen to me, we are going to die. And everyone's like, God, oh, don't listen to her. Like, and then the shit hits a fan. And the only couple of characters who have their shit together, one of them is Ripley and 
Uh, one of them is, uh, I believe it's Sean Bean or not Sean Bean. Um, not Sean Bean. It's Michael Bain. That's wow. who it is. I was close. That's close. That's super close. I was close. And he's, uh, he also plays the guy in Terminator who comes back to help Sarah Connor um, get away from Arnold. He's that guy. I like So James it. Cameron, obviously, like, he likes to pick certain people. You have a whole role. bunch of James Cameron stuff, actually, when you think about it. Well, I have Cameron Crowe. Oh, shoot. Yeah, you're right. James Cameron, <laughs> Cameron Crowe, different people. I wonder if I could name all the directors on my list. Okay. I can't name any. All right. So on your Not list one. was American History X, which we talked a little bit about, and yeah. Adventureland. Adventureland and American History X were on my list. In addition, I also have Aladdin. Oh, wow. I didn't even think about Disney. I know. Aladdin is, is you know, it was made in, I think, the pinnacle of the two-dimensional um like time of you know aladdin it was the the best time for disney yeah the best time of disney like the golden age of disney beauty and the beast aladdin lion king i think those were the best totally agree with and you. so of course this is gonna make the list i mean plus it had um robin williams as the genie so many amazing songs you know they're making all these new live action movies and the one thing i can't get over when they said they're gonna do aladdin is who the hell will voice the genie i can't the reason that role is so good is because of robin williams totally i think that if anyone else had voiced it it wouldn't have been quite the same so they're gonna have to find someone really kooky and crazy manic yeah Yeah. and that's not always a good thing because we unless they change the character because they make all these new live action versions a lot more like sad and serious they take the fun out of them how can i remake a movie make it way more beautiful and take out all the fun that's what they've done so far i I have not seen beauty and the beast and i I had you know i know you're pointedly pointing at my beloved the jungle book yeah but also i did cinderella not, but I did not like cinderella and i did not like the jungle book originals and i loved the live actions whereas you know look i'm i'm not trying to point holes into beauty and the beast i'm not trying to give anybody any ideas but i'm just gonna put, say this animated movie for beauty and the beast is darker than the live action so much darker interesting and i and you you took things away from it from the live action that i think really made the characters who they are and i have a problem with that uh but yeah all the other things yeah you did make it beautiful and there were there were other moments that were great but um and i'm not going to say that i didn't like the live action of beauty and the beast because i did but it's it's nowhere near as dark as the animated i never feel like the animated is that dark anyway though aladdin (laughs) aladdin isn't dark but it does give you all the flavors of human emotion and it's a really fun adventure and it's one of my favorite movies definitely like a fun adventure yeah all right next one for me is american beauty i love american beauty (sighs) i went back to it a couple of years ago and i felt like I think because it became a joke, like that kid with the beauty, the most beautiful thing I ever saw, the bag floating around became right, like yeah. sort of a joke in movies. Yeah. It took, it pissed me off because that's actually gorgeous in the film. It is. Yeah. But it took away some of that power when I saw it again. Right. And, and that, I mean, I wish we had, I wish we didn't parody things as much as we do. I know that, we're always going to do that in life. And I don't want to take away that from people, but man, I, it didn't make my list because of those reasons going back. I felt like some of the power was lost, but that's Kevin Spacey at his best at his best. And I think, you know, there's a lot of things. What I like about this movie is ultimately it's about these American lives that people think they should be creating. And I think that there's a lot of conversations recently in our sort of, spectrum and perhaps it's just you know where we are in our lives about leading an authentic life instead of the life that you're supposed to lead about totally creating whatever path you want and not just following the steps of what should happen next and that's what this movie is all about and i love it i i love in that film the innocent moments that actually get screwed over that end up resulting in kevin spacey's death 
Totally. I also love how much I hate Kevin Spacey in the movie. Oh, you don't like him? I don't like him. Oh, really? I feel like he's an everyman hero. He gets, he screws over his boss. He gets to live off of a huge. He's too pedophile centric, I think. Oh, that. Yeah. Like, you know, I just, I think that there's a lot about he. And sure, he screws over his boss, but not because he's a good man, because he's a bad man. And I think that that's, I like that he, I don't like him. I, I wait the whole movie for him to die. And I, <laughs> I am so happy when he's dead. What? Yeah. Oh, like, man. You know, they originally wanted to add on a little bit of extra, um, a, an extra segment where it was a courtroom drama over his death at the end. I'm glad they didn't. I am too. I, I, I think every character in this movie kind of sucks. Nobody's good. Everybody's well, yeah, bad. Yeah, there's no good people in this. Well, maybe Thora Birch, who's, Even who just still, wants to disappear. She's so in her own world and so melodramatic that I can't even give her the fact that she hasn't done anything wrong. She's just the American teenager. She's just like so absorbed in herself that just by being that in like ignorant of the world around her it's it's hard for her not to be when her best friend is throwing herself at her dad and is the big popular girl and she feels like she's living in the shadow of this person that she has nowhere else to go but be like nobody looks at me i'm i'm this well i I guess i disagree with that outlook on life there's always something you can do and I think that well, she, she does. She finds the boy and they're going to run away together. And Yeah. I don't know. I just, I hate, I hated everyone, but I, I like that. About love this movie. Yeah, I love the movie. Top five. I, I, I love that. I hated everyone. I love that. I hated what they stood for. I loved that. I hated that. The lives they built are like the literal definition of what I would imagine is failing in my own life. I like that. It showed me that that life equals unhappiness. Cause that's, I guess how I view the world. Like that whole like suburban, suburban, whatever dream. Yep. My goodness. The opposite of what I want out of my life. (laughs) I know. I know. I get it. What's your last one? Uh, Okay. So this movie, I actually have not seen this movie. Not all of it anyway. I've seen parts of it. Oh, but it made it on your like favorites of the letter A. Yeah. I, I, well, okay. I use a monologue from this movie as my go-to dramatic monologue when I'm auditioning for things and they require monologues. Oh, we may have to go into that, but continue. And I also um, have read a lot about the movie and I've listened to a lot about the movie and podcasts and stuff like that. It's called The Apartment. Oh, such a wonderful film. And I've always wanted to watch. I've seen parts of it. I've never actually sat down and seen the whole thing. And and yet I know, I know that it's going to be in my favorites, even though I've never seen it. Um, do you I, know what it's about? I do. I know the whole story. Okay, good. Like the whole thing is spoiled. I know everything. I've seen chunks of it, to be honest, when it's on television on Turner Classic Movies. But like, um, I've never actually seen the whole thing all the way through. And I just think it's like the pinnacle of screenwriting. And it's, it's the pinnacle rom-com. That is a good point. It is. De- the screenwriting is fantastic. Shirley MacLaine has some great lines written for her. Jack Lemon plays Jack Lemon. He's always wonderful to watch, kind of bumbling, kind of like the underdog. You know, Billy Wilder, who's done some of my favorite movies, Ace in the Hole, uh, Some Like It Hot. I think he did Sabrina. I really enjoyed that one. And then the big one, which I've never seen, I'm, I'm literally waiting to see is Sunset Boulevard, which I've never... Right, yes, that's huge. But Billy Wilder, you know, he was a huge, huge director uh, back in the 50s. And writer, too. And writer, and The Apartment is definitely up there uh, for me as one of his greats. He even helped to write Ocean's Eleven. The original. Yeah, the original, the original. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we had... we've, We've named... Ten movies. All, no, eight movies. We've named eight movies. So which one's your favorite? So out of all these movies, we're, we got to kind of narrow this down to one. And I, you know, I personally, I think I'm going to go. I think I'm going to go with Almost Famous. I, I think it's one of the most perfect films. It's penultimately rewatchable. It, you know, it, it hits me in the, in the tear ducts and it... It's one of the best soundtracks. It's one of the best feeling movies, but it's also, you know, really grounded in, uh, in a true story kind of thing. So yeah, I think I'm going out of all of them. I think I'm going almost famous, which 
Breaks my heart that Adventureland is not it, but uh, almost famous. For me, I think I'm going to go with American History X. Woo! Yeah. So I... I, Bringing it dark. Bringing it dark. I've seen this movie so many times, and I just loved it, and I think it's an important message, and so that's the one I'm going with. There's There's a black and a white stance on racism. If you're racist, it's bad. If you're not racist, it's good, and I think maybe that's the metaphor. Which, of course, also there's a ton of gray in the film as well. Of course. <laughs> oh, that's, that is good. We started with the letter A, so I wonder what next times would be. So we were chatting earlier, and I think we have totally opposing viewpoints on this subject. So I have this like unofficial rule where if a movie is going to be made from a book, I will wait to read the book if I haven't already read it. I'll watch the movie, then I'll read the book, and then I find I'm like the happiest but Jay over here was just telling me that he is reading it right now. And he had previously seen the old movie. A lot. I watched that old TV movie like a ton. I, and I don't think it's that scary. I just really like the story. Right. And now you're reading it. And like as you're talking about it, you have this grimace on your face. <laughs> well, maybe not a grimace. I won't go that far. But I, I definitely feel like... Because I know everything that's going to happen, it's, I'm waiting for things that I don't know more often. And because the TV movie was a really long movie, there's not a lot of times that I don't know that that's going to happen. For me, I find when I read the book first, then the movie always sucks. I, maybe not always, but usually sucks. Right. And I usually, if I see the movie, I never go back to the book. Right. Where I think... Th- With the book, when I'm reading after watching, of course, I cast the people who are cast in the movie. Like, you no longer make up the faces anymore, but I think everything else I can still sort of create in my own way. Suspend the disbelief or let the stories take you. Yeah, exactly. Right. So when there's a massive plot point now, also, I'm listening to the audiobook. Right. Is that normally your go-to method as well these I days? I mostly only listen to nonfiction and I read fiction. But that's like not hard and fast, just usual. Nope, that's totally cool. Um, so I'm listening to it. And when we get into a part that was omitted from the film, I find my attention really becomes enraptured with... <gasps> This wasn't in the film. This is exciting. Don't you find, though, that little details are always different in the book? Like, I, or it, it's explained more or... The only book that I've really read after seeing the film was Jurassic Park. And that book is hella different than the movie anyway. Interesting. I've done it a lot. I did it for Let the Right One In, um, The Hunger Games, Divergent. You saw the, you saw the movie before you saw Read the book, The Hunger Games. Oh, you're right. No, no, no. I read the book first. Oh, okay, okay. And and that explains why I wasn't that excited about the movie. Me neither. Like, it, I just, I'd already created that world in my head, and it didn't look the way it looked in my head, and then I was, like, not into it. So, again, not a hard and fast rule. No, no. I think I had happened to read the book, and then I learned of the movie coming out. Gotcha. What do you think of the new It? The trailer? Yeah. I mean, it kind of, it doesn't look that scary, but I don't know that I ever thought it was that scary. I read the book. It was really long. I remember it being really long. It's like a 44-hour audio book. Yeah, like it's like, I think a thousand pages or something, or close. Wow. I'm excited, though. I just got into it. Um, Steven Weber from Wings is the guy doing all of the uh narrating and he is really good hmm. i mean will wheaton maybe move over like really good i don't believe it <laughs> nobody's better at reading than will wheaton oh my god <laughs> let's drop some science mm. look at us in all of our new segments in this uh episode Let's Drop Some Science is where we discover a new cool science story and we talk a little bit about it. So hot baths or a hot tub even session could count towards, listen, ladies and gentlemen, this is crazy, your weekly allotment of exercise. It's pretty cool. When you're hanging out in hot water for an hour or more, which in a hot tub you probably shouldn't, 
Oh, no, I think it's okay. Well, there's a lot of germs and grossness in a hot tub. Oh, I figured hot tubs are so hot that there's not that many germs and grossness. From what I understand, there's a ton. But anyway, your core temperature rises one degree. So when you measure calories burned and blood sugar effects, you'll notice it has a similar effect to a half hour of walking. Yeah, like moderate walking, not like sauntering and not like speed walking. But doctors count uh, a half hour daily of moderate walking as the minimum activity threshold for humans. Okay, so what does this mean for you? Are you going to like start taking baths instead of working out? Becky takes a hot bath almost every day. What? Almost every single day. Good for her, man. She usually like I'm getting ready for bed and she'll go, I'm thinking I'll have a bath. And she doesn't just like have, you know, draw some water and jump in. She lights all the candles and like turns off all the lights and sets the mood. And she's got her phone in there and she's in just in heaven in the bath. But now I'm thinking... Oh my God, maybe that's her like daily exercise. Yeah, that's not actually too bad. Like I, I maybe take like one bath a year. That's it? Yeah. I, I definitely do at least two. Oh, wow. Because two is so much more you. than my one. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, always, it is double. But. There's always a moment in the year where I'm like, I just need a soak. Yeah. I try to make the baths so romantic and it's such a huge ordeal for me. <laughs> it takes like 45 minutes to have a 30 minute bath. Yeah, that's it. And like the last time I did it, I was reading something on my iPad, but I didn't want the iPad to get covered in water. Of so course. then I had to take all these screenshots and then print the screenshots onto paper so that I could read in the bath. Too much work. I remember I once set up my laptop to watch How I Met Your Mother while I was in the bath. Ah, that'd be cool. It was fine, but I didn't get out of the bath for like... Four solid episodes. I think that's actually better, right? Like this is saying we should be in the bath for like an hour. I think the key is here, like go do some moderate walking and then take a bath you're and you're doubling, doubling your workout. So do you think you're going to do this? I mean, yeah, I'm going to totally increase my bath, like, but maybe to three times a year. I, I just don't. It's so much work. So to you're take not going to go and take her for a 30 minute walk, come home and have a bath. It's so much work. Well, don't make it romantic. Just pour yourself a tub. Yeah, but then you have to like clean the tub and da, da, da. I know. I, that's the reason I don't think I have a lot of baths is like there's a lot of prep to go into a lot a of bath. prep. And I need the bubbles. You can't do it without bubbles. And then that means you have to shower all that stuff. Afterwards anyway. Totally. Might as well just skip it. Exactly. But what about you? Are you going to take more baths knowing that your daily allotment could be totally resolved by having back. Hey, shut up! It's trailer trash! We actually have two trailers for you to watch in our show notes this week, so pause for a second, go check them out. We are going to be talking about the new Pixar movie named Coco. C-O-C-O. I think that's the name of the dog. No, Dante is the name of the dog. Ah, I wonder who's named Coco. Well, I don't know. We, we're not sure. It's either the kid... Or the skeleton, I don't know. Because we know the dog's name. The dog's name is Dante because the kid yells Dante. Right. So first, I recommend you watch the official trailer followed by the teaser trailer. Because that's trailer the way. Teaser is so silly. It's so silly. Okay. But first, let's talk about the, the official trailer. What are your thoughts? First of all, can I just say I love how Disney is going all over the world with these new movies. You know, we got the Polynesian Islands with Moana and now Mexico, but also a world that perhaps we've never visited before. I think so. And I'm really excited that Disney's taking these chances and showing us cultures that I personally have never really gotten into. Well, this one's Pixar more than Disney. Right. It's not under the Disney world of like, I don't know, what's the last Moana? Moana. Yeah, it's not Moana. It's not Tangled. It is Pixar. It's like Wally up cars and i think that there's definitely inside out a that element of like this is going to be emotional yeah and you get that from this trailer yeah this is a a kid who wants to be a musician like his hero who i guess his hero has passed away there's a memorial set up and he does he steal the guitar yeah i mean his yeah it looks like his hero has passed away he had a dad who maybe was the hero maybe wasn't who also played this guitar 
Um, you think it's his father? Well, it looks like the same guitar is in the picture. So either it's a replica or that hero is his dad and his dad abandoned him, but he's always looked up to him even though he grew up in a single family household, I assume, or like brought he up could by be, grandparents. He could be or, on the streets. We don't know. Well, we know These that are all the things we don't know. He, we he, know he's in a house because there's that whole scene where he's watching the TV. Someone's, he lives but it, somewhere. But it's just like lit by candles. We don't know where that is. That could be anywhere. He could be, he could be doing that in a sewer, like an Ninja Turtle. I don't know. Right. Cause sewers have cable. Ninja Turtle sure, sure did. They had all <laughs> kinds of things. Anyway, with that said, we don't know much about the little boy's backstory. We don't even know if his name is Coco. That's true. All we know is he has a dog named Dante. Who looks like a mutt from the street and is totally hilarious. And that he is musically inclined. We know this. And we know that something happens to put him into like the dead realm or the ghost world or something. Something. It's kind of cool. There's a lot of skeletons walking around and they have colorful stuff on them it reminds me a little of like you know in mexico there's that day of the dead where they the dead walk around and they all have the skeletal masks and you know maybe he has somehow gotten to a world where this is real right and so it's him and his dog and they end up in this other world and i'm i'm very curious they don't give a lot away in terms of plot it looks beautiful but it looks beautiful and it looks like Pixar said, yeah, we've kind of screwed up recently with, you know, like the finding Dory and just not going into these movies that are really about something. And I forgot about finding Dory. Right. You're floodgating me with all this other shit now. And I think they're trying to say, no, no, we're still good. <laughs> we're still good. And that's what I think they're hoping for. Now, let's take a look at this teaser trailer because it's vastly different than the trailer trailer. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, I went to see Beauty and the Beast a couple weeks ago, and the teaser trailer is what I saw. I had no idea what the movie was going to be about. Well, you saw the original. What? You've seen Beauty and the Beast. I mean, you know what it's about. I'm sorry. No, I saw the teaser trailer you're talking about for Coco before Beauty and the Beast. Oh. (laughs) And I, when it ended, said, is it about a skeleton? Is it about... A dog? And then we see this other trailer about the boy, and I'm like, wow, okay, I that I this looks like it's way more of a story than a dog chasing a bone. Yeah, the, the teaser trailer kind of reminded me of like the shorts that you'll get sometimes with Disney or Pixar films. So it kind of reminded me a little bit of Feast, which is my favorite. Oh. Because, because of the of little the Boston, Boston Terrier. Terrier. Yeah. And, and so it reminded me a lot of that. It also reminded me of Looney Tunes. It had a very Looney Tunes-like vibe, and I loved it. Yeah, Dante's tongue, like, wraps around the bone, and he's getting pulled in every direction. Like, there's a lot of crazy antics. And at a certain point, like, he goes through a fence that's made of wood, and then there's like a funny cutout of him. Yeah, this is very Looney Tunes-esque. Very Looney Tunes-esque. So I wonder, like, do you think that the movie's going to be all serious? Or do you think that there's going to be a Looney Tunes element to this movie? I think that Dante is going to bring a lot of the slapstick. I think Coco's story is going to be rooted pretty pretty much in reality. I think so, too. I think that they're going to actually go through both of those things. And they're going to try to marry the slapstick with the... Sort of heartwarming. Maybe the short will be the Dante ridiculousness. And then the actual film doesn't have that in it. But it's like they're creating this character who can be that kind of wild and wacky. That's kind of cool. This idea of having like a short that is somewhat tied to the actual movie. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because all of those Ice Age movies have that saber tooth squirrel looking for that nut. As a short before they actually start the Ice Age movie that has nothing to do with that squirrel. Yeah, and I like that squirrel. It's funny. I like that <laughs> little palate cleanser or preparer, whatever it is. Yeah, it's like it's like the intro for a television show. It gets you into that world. Exactly. Yeah. So I uh, I hope this Dante's in Dante's lunch is what the teaser trailer is called. Um. Maybe it leads into something more silly and fun. 
Yeah, I, I think that there's going to be a lot of elements of this movie that they're going to try to recapture parts of Up, where there's the silliness of this world, but also a real A real connected story. story yeah. Exactly. And uh, I think it looks pretty good. I, I want to see it. I, I feel like I need to watch Up again. Because you know how I feel about Up. How do you feel about Up? First 10 minutes are incredible and incredible. the rest of it doesn't live up to it. That's how I feel about Up. I mean, the first 10 minutes are, I think, is why I love that movie so much. So what do you think? Do you think that this is a movie that Pixar will redeem themselves with? Or do you think that it's going to be, they're, they're kind of in a downswing at I this I think they're moment. in a downswing. I think it's probably going to be interesting. But I don't, one, I don't think it can beat Inside Out. Like the creativity of Inside Out was off the charts. So I think it's I think it's gonna let people down the way that it's the good so dinosaur did. Interesting to me because Inside Out never felt revolutionary to me or like anything new was being brought out in the way that other people talk about it. But yet up is amazing because of those first ten minutes. Those first ten minutes. I wonder if they had killed the imaginary friend earlier in Inside Out, if you would have felt the same connection. What do you mean? Because that was my big cry in Inside Out was when they killed the imaginary character or the imaginary friend. Right. Yeah. I. That I, was my big. Oh, my God. I saw they wanted me to cry. Yeah. They did want you to cry. I didn't cry. I know. Well, I know. We've talked about this. Mm. But I don't I, I don't feel like Pixar is going to. You don't think this I don't is, think this is the movie that's going to bring it back. I mean, Inside Out was only a what, a couple of years ago now? Yep. And uh so it's not like they haven't had hits with people. I guess I consider Inside Out a little bit lower caliber than say a Wally. Like I'm very wary right now of Pixar only because you gave us Finding Dory and that fell flat. And you gave us a good dinosaur and that was like I think of the bad times of Disney animation. And I put the good dinosaur below those bad times. So you got a lot of work to do at Pixar to bring the magic back. Their movies have gotten less good recently. They're well, Disney animated studios have gotten way better. Yeah, I agree with that too. Um, but maybe not to as much as how much you agree. Um, but... I they're they're spending too much time on their sequels and all that stuff yeah, and, I mean, and that's what it's kind of killing it for that's me. what i can't deal with you know we have this coco film coming up but we also have cars three incredibles two is in the works they're still living off of the finding dory which business sense totally get but it's not a good film right yeah i mean i didn't see it because I, I didn't want to but you know you didn't see it no what if you love it what if all of a sudden you see it on TV and you love it and then you got to take all this back? Well, I'm not saying anything bad about Finding Dory, but it's it's a sequel. I don't know. I'm not interested anymore. I saw the first story. I'm done. The sequel doesn't seem like it's going to bring any new heart. I mean, Finding Nemo was good because the mom died and I cried all the way through. Oh, yeah. That was that was some hard hitting. The Barracuda. The beginning of that film exactly terrifying. like that's the thing and so and you know what there was nothing that level of dark in the sequel right right you need darkness in these animated films people you need it it grounds the story it's film freaks chatter for the film fan and all of us so last week we asked you to go down a little french journey with us on a subtitled film called l by paul verhoeven now if you you are thinking, Paul Verhoeven, what is he? Well, he's done Starship Troopers. He's done RoboCop. He's done Basic Instinct. And now you're like, oh, yeah, that guy. Where's that guy been? Well, he's been revolutionizing the rape revenge film. Duh. So Elle features Isabella Hubert, who plays Michelle. Elle, Michelle. And uh, the film opens in a very dark way. We overhear the sounds of a break-in and, and what is happening in um, what we assume is somebody's house. And it opens to a woman being raped in her kitchen. It's pretty shocking. Was it her kitchen or her study? It doesn't even matter where it was. It it's was in her, in her house. house. And she's... Well, it was her kitchen because she dragged all of the plates and stuff off the counter. Right. It's shocking to open a film that way. But it's 
important because we immediately know what happened. We watch the rapist get away. And we also see how she deals with we it. We see how she deals with it. I don't want to downplay anybody who has been sexually assaulted um, or had anything horrible to happen to them, especially rape. But everybody deals with trauma in a different way. And we see a very different way of dealing with it in L um, that is unlike anything I've ever seen in a film before. Who knows how people deal with this stuff, right? Like Totally. At, at the end of the day, this could be how most people deal with this stuff. They try, they're in shock and they can't handle it at first. But it doesn't really matter because this is about this character. And she, as a human being, is introspective. She's uh, quiet. She's one of those people who takes the room in. She is powerful as well. And when she talks, people listen because she doesn't talk often, like the opposite of us. That's right. But she also, (laughs) and, you know, we didn't say it at the beginning of this, but spoiler heavy right now. If you haven't seen it yet, the fuck. Well, yeah, if you (laughs) honestly, this movie, you shouldn't really know what's going to happen because the twists are worth it. And um, if you haven't seen it, honestly, just skip the segment. It's not a big deal. Go to the description right now. You'll find out exactly where the outro starts. You can just zoom over to that outro. Exactly. Um, Because we're going to be spoiling the shit out of this movie. There is so much to digest and take in and talk about with this film. So there's a huge plot point, which when... Elle was 10 years old. Her father went on a murderous massacre. And he's like in in jail for life. And when this movie is happening, he's up for parole. Um, And it goes until the very end of the movie almost until you find out really what the problem is. Um, Because you'll notice she doesn't call the cops. And and throughout the movie, people say when she tells them, because there's this really awkward dinner where she tells the guy that she's kind of seeing and her best friend and her best friend's like husband lover thing that she was raped just over the dinner table. And it's so casual. I mean, except that you can tell it's not even casual for her because she actually has a preamble where she's like, I don't know how to say this, so I'm just going to say it. Yeah. I was raped. And you can tell this character doesn't usually do that. And everybody is shocked. And it's just, when? Uh, Three days ago? Thursday? And they're like, like well, you're going to go to the police, right? And she's, she's like, no, no, it's over. No, no. I, we know, I don't go to the police. And she doesn't go to the police because of the way the police treated her after her father massacred these people. So her father um, was a good Catholic man. And at the very end, she has this really great monologue about how he was and how he used to put crosses on the children's foreheads. Right. And then someone on the neighborhood said, we don't like you doing that. And it looks like she kind of almost blames that as what caused him to go crazy. Yeah, he, he, that made him snap and he went and he killed. 27 people, was it? Six animals, yeah, dogs like and a cats. Lot, he left a hamster alive. A lot of people. So he goes on this murder spree and then comes home and starts to wash up from all this blood. And his 10-year-old daughter is home. And the police find him when he's home with his 10-year-old daughter. Uh, and not only that, he actually he starts a fire in the house to get rid of the evidence of all this stuff that was covered with blood. And actually, Elle's excitement when she's explaining how she gets caught up in it and she's throwing things in the fire with her father. Um, it's one of the more interesting moments in the film because she doesn't... You don't think that she knows what has happened, but he's covered in blood. Yeah, I mean, I think as a 10-year-old, you know that something happened, but I don't think that as a 10-year-old, she knew that he murdered 27 people. No. She just knew that her dad was covered in blood for some strange reason. She knows that's weird, and then she just got excited by the concept of what if we burn our whole life down? But somebody snaps a picture of her while she's doing this, she's covered in ash. Well, it's it's in the outset when the police come and now every there's blood or there's everything is consumed by fire and she's coming out of the house and someone says a picture. And to this day, people have wondered how she was involved. Yeah, so the police rather than 
treating her like the victim. And she specifically at one point says that she was the victim. You know, someone says, well, you're the victim now. And she said, I was the victim before. Yes. And that's such an important line because how police treat anything is how people will remember they treat things. Right. So she was actually obviously investigated for potentially being an accomplice to this, these murders, which she wasn't. She didn't. She was not involved. Nope. But even if she was a 10 year old who is coerced by a parent to have like be involved in a murder spree is not a murderer. No, that person is you need to get that person help. Exactly. And she obviously she has had help. There's a lot of talk about how much of her life she spent in therapy. Yep. But for, to the public, the media, and as well to the police, she was investigated as potentially the psychopath child who was relishing in these murders, which she didn't. Imagine that hanging over your head your whole life. And they're playing the documentary of the murderer and her pictures on the TV. And all of her coworkers know this. All of her friends know this. This is going to be devastating for you. And, and it is. It's, it's been devastating in her life. And now that her dad is up for parole again, it's devastating again in her life. And I thought how great that in the rape culture of video games, they decided to set L. Yeah, like one of this next scenes after the rape and the dinner with her kid, the next scene, we're seeing a very violent video game and she's watching it. And she was just raped yesterday. And her face is like, She's so stoic. It's insane. And she turns around and says, we need that sound to be more orgasmic. Like, you know, we need it. We need it up. Like, level that up. And they're like, we raised it like 8% it's or like, whatever. It's like, no, more, more. More. Yeah. And you, you never think that this one wouldn't be a trigger to what just happened. You know, but she's, she's a powerhouse at work because the top designer comes up and confronts her on something and she stands up and, and just gets in his face. Yeah, she takes the room. She about, says, oh, you want to challenge me? You no, want to challenge me? I'm the boss. We're two women who invented this company, so you're going to just do what we say. Because at some point, he does fully take it to the woman. Like, are you as a woman really like capable of making the right decisions for this company? And she said, well, given that we are the bosses and we are rich and successful, yeah. Yeah, I do think I'm in the right position. So if you thought this film was just about the aftermath of the opening sequence, you are wrong. There's so many layers. Because now she is getting text messages from this person. Right. She's getting emails from this person. She comes home one day. Her computer is open. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. And there's cum on the sheets of her bed. He is like intruding on her. And you can see that the people that she works, that work for her, they don't really like her. No. So it could be any of them. It becomes this whodunit until halfway through the film. And if you have stuck with us and haven't watched this movie, here's the real spoiler heavy. Stop listening. There is a neighbor who she has a crush on across the street. And he's like super Catholic and has this super Catholic wife. She just seems so Catholic. I like picture her in, even though I saw this just last night with a baby bump. The rapist comes back and she rips off his hood and stabs him with a pair of scissors through his hand. Yeah. like, And uh, it turns out it's him. It's the, him. The, the person she has been attracted to watching with binoculars and, and jacking off recently to. had like like a foot job she gave him a foot she job she gave him sort of a foot job at a dinner party at her house it, which was also like super inappropriate but you're kind of going with it like wow she's like really in charge of her what she wants she goes after and the fact that she masturbated to her own rapist how fucked is that and then so when she finds out that it's her rapist he runs away. He gets out. She like that scene is pretty typical in the sense of she's not going to call the cops. We already know this. We know that. Like and it and she stabs him through the hand. She pulls off the thing. They realize who each other are. And then she's furious with him and kicks him out of the house. Like yeah. it's exactly what you would expect, except the whole normal people would call the cops thing. And the next day he she watches him walk to his car 
bandaged hands. And she goes, um, I think she goes to sell her mother's home or something the next day. And then while she's driving back, she gets in a car accident. So she calls her ex-husband. No, nobody picks up. She calls her best friend. Nobody picks up. She calls her best friend's husband with whom she's having an affair. Another lair. Then she calls the neighbor who's always been so helpful, who she full on knows raped her. And he goes and gets her. And that, I remember when that happened in the movie, I was like, how, why would you ever like call the police woman? Like, like this is crazy. This is crazy. Your standoff with the police is crazy. I don't understand you anymore. But, but it, now you're inviting him to help you in a moment of need. And he like patches of her knee and the sexual tension is still there between them. Now he is just very kind again. So weird. Like so weird. Her son is back living with her and um, she's at this point, it seems like she's an, avoiding the neighbor, but the neighbor in front of the son invites them over for dinner. The son says, yes, she's kind of stuck now. She's like, of course. She's like, sure, I'll come for dinner. Also, rapist, man. Why are you inviting these people to dinner? Because he's he's screwed up that way. Oh. He is so screwed up, that man. Anyway, um, so he she has to say yes. And now the three of them are at dinner. The son has a lot of wine. He falls asleep on this man's couch. They're neighbors. Like, I would go home by this point, but whatever. They're still going. <laughs> she notices the there's in-floor heating, and he invites her down into that cellar. To show her how he, he, how he rejigged it and everything. And when they're down there, surprise, surprise. He begins to attack her again. Yeah, like he's literally like slamming her head up against things, like throwing her down. She like protests and, at first and starts to say, my son is upstairs. And he's like, who cares? Yep. Slaps her and then reaches for his belt. And that's when and she in just. in this moment of. I, I guess, I, I don't even know what's going through her head. I, it felt like watching it the first time around, and now in some ways I want to watch the movie again to see if I find different layers in the performance. Um, it looked at that moment to me that she gave up. Like She says, do it. just do it. And he stops and says, it doesn't, it doesn't work for me that way. And then she looks at him, considers for a moment, and starts to fight back again to make it a rape. To, to give him what he needs. needs. But it's no longer a rape at that moment because it's, it she's isn't. now playing along. She is actually, she's, she's giving She's playing him, along. Yeah, that's what she's doing. I don't think that she really wanted to be raped, but at that moment you're like, well, maybe she did because as soon as she had that ability to say, just do it. Yeah. She now has the power. She to, took the power away from him. Yeah. Which like, was, which, while I was watching the film, I was like, yes. Yes. Yeah. I thought, I thought she was going to get up for a moment. Yeah. Um, but then she chose to fight back but I never, I never at any point in that, I mean, that was such a crazy scene, but I felt like because she went down with him knowing full well, I felt like she was excited by it. And. I don't think that she knew. I think because they start kissing and then he starts like. Slamming her. No, no, I understand that. But going down into the cellar, they haven't kissed at that point. They haven't done anything. Her son is just upstairs. Presumably, it's not necessary that he's going to rape her. It's not. Well, it's 100%. all crazy that they're together at all. Yeah, it's it's just <laughs> crazy that they're together at all. And then, you know, they still hang out after this again. Yeah, they they continue to hang out. It's so weird. And she finally says, in a, it, it, while he's driving her home, I, I'm going to the police. You know this can't continue. I'm going to the police. I see how sick it is. But that whole conversation, I mean, compared to the the way that she acts throughout the entire movie, yep. it's obvious that she is um, doing a foreplay and a role play. She's role But playing. she's also being that ruthless person that she was at the party. Um, like, I already screwed her, her and uh, my ex-lover's night up. I'm going to screw this up, too. Right. I mean... Yes, but because not in sure. that car. I mean, in, in the moment of the car, you're not seeing that per se. You're just seeing her role play. So like uh, in the sense of the same way that she role played the third rape to, to say, no, no, I don't want to be raped. Like after she says, just do it. And then goes yeah. back to fighting. Yeah. It felt more like that. Like she's like, 
I'm going to role play that I'm going to go to the cops, which we all know she's not going to do. And then he'll come into my house and rape me. Oh, that's okay. All right. Her performance is so naturalistic throughout the entire movie. But in that car, she's putting on an air and she's not really putting the emotions into it. I see. I didn't play. I didn't see that at all. I saw her saying that. I'm going to go to the cops. You I'm actually gonna, believed gonna, after be- all of this I, that she would go to the cops? I believed that she now wanted to have power over him and threaten him. And while she's walking in front of the car, I was like, wow, she is like, she has all of the control in this whole thing. And then. Well, she does because she then, made it so that he would rape her again. She knew he was going to rape like, her. She knew he was going to attack her. And I thought. Okay, she's doing this so that she can, like, she's going to kill him, is what I thought. Like, even walking in front of the car, like, I was like, man, if that was that guy, I'd just run her down right now. And you all, he you almost, almost does. He almost does, yeah. And and she's just like, just continues. I think she smiled a smidge yeah. while she was walking. Like, you saw how much control she had. And then she went inside. He came inside. She flipped the chair. She smashed him in the head with a vase. Goes into another room, and I think she was looking around like, what's next? Oh, no. She stopped and waited. When she got into that room, she, tur- she turned around. She turned around and like waited for him, and then he came at her, and then now it's like he's about to rape her again. And here's where we can debate whether she knew her son was going to arrive because he lives with her at this yep. moment, and he planned the party, and she obviously knew when the party was winding up and all that kind of stuff. She's a very smart person. I mean, it's right. clear from the movie. Um, or was she planning on killing this guy I and thought, the son interrupting is a surprise? I like to think of it as she planned the whole thing. I, I think that she could not have planned, because she never told her son about what happened, I think... She, uh, she, of course she never yeah of course right? telling him what happened would not have created that death i mean it would create him being home more i think with her like he wanted to take care so badly of anything if he knew that she would not his raped. mom no no but like if he knew that he could be there for her and like but then she wouldn't be able her. to use him as a pawn to murder another man but that's i don't think that she knew he was going to come home right i think she did and i think that that's the fun of it like i think she totally knew he was going to interrupt the rape. She didn't know when. She didn't know how long she would have because to Because that rape, rape only lasts five seconds. When the penetration happens. Yeah. But who knows? And you're, and, and anyway, she's mid-rape. She's the, like, not even mid-rape. He hasn't penetrated her. I don't think her, he's penetrated her. Yeah. But he's going to, and the son walks in and takes something and bashes the guy over his head. And then... The guy, like, oh man, that wound looked bad. That was bad. That was that was a great special effect. Great special effect with yeah. the pulsing and the blood. Oh, it and was like, gross. And and then the guy stands up and looks takes at her takes off the mask and says, "Why?" And for for a second, it looks like she smiles. No, no, she full on smiles. Yeah. She smiles at him like, "Yeah, I planned this, motherfucker. Don't rape me." I. Yeah, I don't. I think she is more st- sadistic than she plays. That's that's the thing you can go. What's back and sadistic forth. about this? He raped her. No, no, I know. She wants but to like, kill him. She wants to kill him. She wants to. She kill wants him. him to die. Yeah. Like she doesn't want to go to the cops. She wants him to die. And when the, the cops come, it's perfect. Because did you ever think that this could happen? Did you ever? My neighbor. I. When would I ever think it would have been like? Exactly. And then you all, she also had a witness. Yep. Like, this is what I'm saying. I think she planned the whole thing because I, I think that, like, she has a witness. It's not he said, she said. And she can vouch for her son, you know, like, defending her. And right. her son can vouch for her for getting raped. Um, but there's... Stuff so, has been broken throughout the house. Like, one, she may have planned it. Two, he did not think that she planned that she he like to ask why he thought she was still doing him a favor exactly shocking right when you think she won the neighbors moving out the the wife yep whose husband is now dead yep and she goes out to have this awkward conversation where like obviously the neighbor knows that her husband raped her and that's why he died and she's the victim. And so they're having this awkward conversation that's very cordial. 
And then... That's what this relationship is. It's a lot of cordial. But then... But then, as Elle is walking away, the wife says, I'm I'm so glad he was able to... No, you were able you to... Were, you were able to... Be that to for be him. To be that for him. And what she meant was the victim. Yeah. And what she really meant was, I knew he was raping you the, the whole, whole time. time. And Elle's face just drops it means that her like the female neighbor is on the kill list yeah oh yeah but she's moving away if there was a sequel she would be on that list but it's like that woman is moving away where to how's Elle gonna get her that's the next long con that i think that's that's i think my favorite part of this movie is that this horrible things happen but it's also just shocking there's a there's a moment of just are you kidding me you little catholic woman like you knew that your husband is awful. Your, your husband's this horrible person that you, uh, he may have done it to you. I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. I don't so. think so either. I think he and, can't get hard unless he's raping. Yeah. No, he definitely can't. Like that's what that, I yeah. can't, it doesn't work it like doesn't that It doesn't work like me. that. Yeah. The L knew there were these two people plotting that is shocking. I, yeah. I think she really felt like a victim again. I love this movie. I love this movie. It, I'm, I'm so sad we didn't watch it before the end of 2016. Me too. It would have made it. Uh, well, I think it's my number one of the year now. It's not quite my number one, I don't think, but it's definitely up there. Beat the Jungle Book for me. <laughs> it beat the Jungle Book for me. <laughs> uh, of course it did. I, I just, I, I don't think I've seen rape tackled this way ever. No. And I... You know, it, it had something different to the rape revenge movies that I've never would have expected. Like, yeah, it's not it's not like torture porn. No, it no, is no. It's psychological like, that. like cat and mouse game. And it's, you know, if you think back to like I spit on your grave, like those are shockingly you sit there horrified for 40 minutes of rape while they they plot this revenge. It's not really like that. It's like no. there's two minutes of something horrible and then you're you're very interested in how she's reacting to everything. Yeah, like it's it, this movie fuels your curiosity uh, the, and the rapes were every rape scene was pretty short, which I think is important because I don't think I could watch any more right. of it. And I definitely think it had something to say about rape culture. This is a woman who would not go to the police because the police were not there for her. Yeah. The police treated her wrongly. You know, it, that says something about all women who don't go to the police. You know, he, there, there are moments in this film, in this movie, I totally by, agree. by basic instinct director and Starship Troopers and showgirls, for God's sake, where he has something poignant to say. Yeah, I can't say enough good things about this film. It is so interesting. There's duality to all the characters. There's intriguing moments. There's shock and not just shocking moments. Like the whole film is shocking to me. Shocking. And that's why I really enjoyed watching it. Um, as much as you can enjoy the subject matter, like just really, I really enjoyed it. And, you know, she didn't win Best Actress, but God was her performance better than Emma Stone's. Yeah, I mean, she, like, for everything that Casey Affleck was uh, lauded for, that's what she did in it this was, movie. It, it was, was like the female case, like, cause there was a lot of repression, but emotions coming out, but repression. Um, and unlike Casey Affleck, who does it in every movie, well, I don't know much about her previous roles, this seemed, new, well, I don't know, I've, I can't compare. Well, so. I, here's the thing, I just want to say like con like congratulations to the academy for even an, even nominating this foreign film you know yeah in that all, best actress that best category actress i category. think that speaks to how good her performance really is. does yeah because so often films like this do get missed at the academy awards and i just i just had to say that like it, it's an incredible performance so just watch this movie if you have Well, dear haven't. God, if you just... <laughs> yeah, that's you, true. You screwed. If you <laughs> listen to this whole thing, you don't have to watch the movie now. Well, no, no, we still do watch the whole it. damn thing. But still watch it. Of course. But I, I'm sorry for you because the twists and turns were the best part. They made the film and there were so many of them. Yeah. 
And that's our show. Thanks for listening and be sure to tune in again next week. If you'd like to help us support the show, just jump onto iTunes or any podcast service and leave an honest review. It helps others find the podcast, which helps us keep growing. Don't forget to check out our show notes where we have lots of information about our talented voice actors, sound effects, and our intro music from bensound.com. Jay and I love to hear from you, so don't be a stranger. Our website is morethemovies.net. Find us on Facebook at More Than Movies Podcast. Email us at hello at morethemovies.net. Or catch us on Twitter. I'm at Jester J. I'm at It's Ivana. Thanks again for spending some time with us. We'll be back again next Monday. All new episode. Until next time, friends. Do more. And watch more. <laughs> <laughs>